Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. My colleague will stop commenting on everything I eat. My assistant rolls his eyes at people in meetings. Why does my coworker keep taking credit for all my ideas? Have any wisdom for me? Hi, I'm Allison Green. Welcome to the Ask a Manager podcast, where I answer questions from listeners about life at work. Everything from what to say if you're allergic to your coworker's perfume to what to do if you drink too much at the company party. Let's get started. Hi, and welcome to the show. You might have noticed that the show did not come out on Monday this week. We're switching back to Wednesdays only, but we're keeping both formats. So we'll still have the format where I have a guest come on the show and spend the whole show talking through their problem. And we'll also still have the format where I answer a bunch of shorter questions from different people. People seem to like both formats, so we're going to stick with both of them. Today's show is a bunch of shorter questions from people, and our first question is from a manager who messed up at work and is wondering how to handle it. Hi there, Allison. So the basic gist of my question today is that I am the manager and I screwed up, so now what do I do? Uh, for a little bit of background, I supervise a small team of four at a software company, and my team is amazing. They're reliable, fast, accurate, amiable, everything good under the sun. I couldn't ask to manage better people, and I'm really proud of the work we get done every day. So that is why I am particularly embarrassed, uh, because I made a noticeable mistake at work earlier in the week. So to explain that, we have a task that requires each member of the team to show up to work early. Uh, we rotate through all members of the team, and that includes me. And I didn't arrive to get this task done, and that meant a few of my subordinates covered for me when they arrived at their normal start time. So this didn't ultimately affect our software stability, but it certainly could have. Uh, of course, I did three things. So I immediately notified our work chat um, that I was mortified about the oversight. 
Uh, I took someone else's early start that week uh, to make up for the early start that I missed. And I verbally addressed it during the team meeting with my direct reports. And I reasserted that I'm held to the same expectations and standards as everyone else. And I'm not different because I'm their supervisor. And of course, moving forward, I'm going to do everything in my power to ensure this doesn't happen again. But generally, this got me to thinking, how do managers hold themselves accountable to their subordinates when they make a mistake? And I was wondering if you thought my response was sufficient or if there's something more that I should do to make sure my team can trust me. And there's one other sticky part of this, and that's that I have a chronic mental health issue that contributed to me failing at this task. And I discussed that health issue with my own supervisor, but it seemed inappropriate to bring it up with my direct reports. I was wondering if you agreed Um, And if I continue to struggle despite my best efforts here, what would be the best way to address that matter professionally? So thank you so much for considering this question. Um, I'm so grateful for your website. I'm so grateful for your podcast. It's made such an impact on my professional life. So thanks for answering. Well, first, as far as how you handled this, it sounds like you have done everything right. You immediately acknowledged the mistake, you apologized for it, you took someone else's early start, and you've been explicit that you believe in holding yourself accountable to the same expectations as everyone else. So if you were my boss, I would be pretty delighted with the way that you handled it. Really, if anything, it's possible that you erred a little bit on the side of going just a bit overboard. I don't know that you even really needed to do that last piece about addressing it in a team meeting since you had already addressed it in the group chat. There's nothing wrong with having done that, but I want to make sure that you're not flagellating yourself over this because at least based on what you shared here, this doesn't sound like it deserves flagellation. So, I mean, yes, you messed up, but you're human and humans mess up sometimes. That's what we do. I'm curious about how you would react if one of your employees did the exact same thing, immediately acknowledged it and made it clear that they knew it was a mistake and that it wouldn't happen again. I don't know all the details about what happened, of course, or what the ramifications could have been of you not being there on time. But my hunch is that if one of your employees did the same thing and had the same reaction toward it that you had you would tell them that it was okay. You know, of course, don't let it happen again, but people are human. So when you talk about holding yourself to the same standards that you hold your staff to, make sure that you're not being harder on yourself than you would be on your staff. Because when you talk about worrying that they won't trust you just because you made one mistake, one that you quickly took responsibility for, I think you are probably being a little bit too hard on yourself and harder than you would be on an employee who did the same thing. You asked more broadly, how should managers handle it when they make mistake? And the first thing to know is you will make mistakes. This isn't like something that, oh my gosh, you did this and you're a terrible manager for doing it. Other managers are out there working flawlessly every day and never messing up. Managers mess up all the time because again, we're human. That is what humans do. What is important is that when you do get it wrong, you acknowledge it. And that doesn't have to be a huge thing. It can be as simple as, hey, I realized that I made the wrong call here. I apologize about that. Going forward, let's do X instead. 
Sometimes it doesn't even require that. If it's a pretty routine mistake that doesn't have a huge impact on other people, it can just be, oh, I messed this up. Can you help me do X to fix it? It is true that because you're a manager, your actions do carry more weight. And sometimes your mistakes can be ones that have more impact on other people. And it's good to factor that into how you handle mistakes. But I don't want you to feel like just because you're the boss, the very act of making a mistake, no matter how big or small, is somehow worse because you're not expected to be perfect just because you're the boss. If that were the expectation, no manager could be successful. And I do hear a little bit of that belief running through the language that you're using. So watch out for that. Let's talk about what you don't want to do if you make a mistake when you're the boss. You definitely don't want to double down and pretend that you were right all along. You don't want to shift the blame to other people. But you also don't want to seem so mortified by it that you signal to other people that you don't have any tolerance for mistakes in general. Because if you handle your own medium-sized mistakes like they're giant-sized mistakes, people are going to assume that you will do the same thing when they are the ones who messed up. So you're modeling for your staff how you want them handling their own mistakes as well. So yes, acknowledge it, work to fix it, work to make sure it doesn't happen again, but don't blow it out of proportion either. Now let's talk about the mental health piece of this because frankly, I suspect that the reason that you are being so hard on yourself is because you know that it is tied to this chronic mental health issue. And maybe you are embarrassed about that because we are still super weird about mental health and there's still stigma around it in a way that there wouldn't be with a physical health issue. And in fact, I am curious, if you had missed this task because you were physically sick, would you be beating yourself up as much? I am willing to bet a pretty significant amount of money that you wouldn't be. And that is worth thinking about. You also asked if I agreed that it would be inappropriate to bring up the mental health issue with your staff. I think there's just no need to. If you continue to struggle with it and you're concerned that it's noticeable at work, you can give them some context, but it's enough to just say that you're dealing with a medical issue that's affecting you in X and Y ways. You don't need to specify that it's a mental health issue. And in fact, you'll actually be modeling good boundaries for your staff if you just keep it to a medical issue, because you don't want them to feel like they are obligated to disclose their own personal medical details when they need time off or when they need a health accommodation. And so you will be modeling good boundaries by demonstrating this is what it looks like. It's okay to just say, I'm dealing with a medical issue that's making me very tired or whatever relevant piece of context you want to share. But go easier on yourself because you are human and that is perfectly okay. We'll go to a short break here and come back with more questions. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. 
If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Hi, Allison. I have a job search question. I'm a relatively new grad applying for jobs that are out of state. And I've read a lot of advice and listened to podcasts and recently come across the advice to shoot out a blind email to a company manager or lead asking for either an informational interview or 20 minutes over coffee to quote-unquote pick their brain when you're visiting in their town. And according to their stories, it's worked in their favor each time and they've landed the job. I've never done this and I feel a tad awkward asking out of the blue for these kind of things rather than applying for a job on their website. But is this the new and recommended way to find jobs out of state or This is a piece of advice that keeps getting passed around, and it is not very effective. So first of all, managers tend to be busy, and managers who have been managing for a while and hiring for a while know that informational interview is often code for, I want you to hire me, but I am not being upfront about my intentions. And the same thing goes for, I want to pick your brain. It's annoying when people aren't upfront about what they actually want. And this advice is basically telling you to waste the time of strangers who may not even have a job open that would be appropriate for you. And if they do have job openings and that's why you're targeting them, it's going to be even more obvious what you're doing. And increasingly, managers are likely to tell you to apply through their normal application process. And definitely when you're dealing with non-small companies, they're going to want you to apply that way regardless. Now, there are some exceptions to this, like very small businesses that are more likely to sort of wing it when it comes to hiring. As a side note, I don't know that I would encourage you to work for small businesses that wing it when it comes to hiring. They tend to be fraught with dysfunction, but... Sometimes this approach can work with them. Or if you have a very specialized, very in-demand skill set, 
But for most people, this approach is just not that effective or efficient. Definitely not more than actually applying for jobs that are open through the stated application process. I think people give this advice because they want to be able to sell you on the idea that there's some trick to job searching. There's something that will let you get around having to write cover letters and resumes and apply the normal way because telling you to do it like that is pretty boring advice. But really this idea of blind emailing strangers for most people just is not very effective. It doesn't mean that it never works, but it does mean that for most people, it's not likely to work most of the time. But it's one of those things where because it occasionally works in rare cases, it gets passed around as some kind of trick to getting a job. But it's really not the best way to spend your job searching energy. Now, it is true that there is real value in building your network, especially when you're trying to find work in another state. But the way you do that is to build genuine relationships, not to ask for coffee for a fake reason that isn't actually what you're looking for from the other person. The things that will really help you find a job in another state are things like making your move sound like a done deal, like putting on your resume and in your cover letter that you're moving to their area in January or whatever month that you pick, not just I'm hoping to move there at some amorphous point in the future. Or in some cases, using a local address if you're going to be able to get there quickly for an interview. I wouldn't recommend doing that if you can't, because if you put down a local address and they're like, great, can you come in in two days? And you're suddenly stuck explaining, uh, actually, I live across the country. It's going to look deceptive. But if you can be there quickly and there is a local address that you can use, that is an option. Other things like offering to pay for your own interview travel expenses and definitely really leaning on your network to help you develop contacts in the area that you're moving to. And that last one does not mean blind email people. It means get the person in your network to introduce you to their old boss who works in the city you're moving to or so forth so that you're using real connections from your network. Okay, next question. Hi, Allison. When I listened to your episodes about getting your tone right, it made me think of a question that has plagued me for a while. I am a pretty rational person. I have a master's degree and have worked in scientific research. However, if I ever do experience any strong emotions, either positive or negative, I tend to react by crying. If an emotional scale was one to 10, if I am below a three or above a seven, I tend to cry and it's hard to stop myself. This can be very difficult because I don't want to seem unprofessional, weak, or unable to handle my workload. Another factor that compounds this issue is that I am currently a teacher who works in a middle school that serves very low-income kids. This can cause a lot of emotional stress on top of what one might experience at a normal job. Is there any wisdom you can share about how to avoid this? Or, alternatively, is there anything I can say in the moment to assure my coworkers that I am not a crazy, over-emotional wreck but rather a professional, smart, strong, frequent crier. Thank you so much. I hope you have a great day. So I am someone who tears up easily too. I think a lot of us are. It's true though that while crying once or twice at work will usually be excused, if it's happening a lot, people are going to worry about what's going on. They might worry that you can't handle the stress of the job or that you're too sensitive for getting feedback or so forth. And you don't want that. So I think the first thing is, if it is happening a lot, look for other ways to get that under control. There's some physical tricks that you can try that are supposed to help. People say pinching the bridge of your nose or pressing your tongue against the roof of your mouth 
or even just making yourself think about something totally unrelated, like what time it is, sometimes can cut off the tears. Or if that doesn't work, you can physically remove yourself from the situation until you've regained your composure. Like you can say that you need to go get a glass of water or excuse yourself to go to the bathroom. And often that's going to give you the break that you need to get it under control. But if you do tear up in front of a colleague, most people will take their cues from you. So if you're really matter of fact about it and you just say something like, oh, please excuse me, my tear ducts have a mind of their own, or don't mind me, I'm an easy crier, but I want to hear what you're saying. So please go on. Something that signals, hey, this isn't a big deal. Yeah, there's water coming from my eyes, but it's not getting in the way of me hearing and processing what you're saying. So in other words, don't let it be disruptive. Assure the person you're talking to that you're hearing them and that they don't need to stop and comfort you and so forth. And the more matter of fact that you can be about it, the better. Let's do a quick break and come right back. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options see homedepot.com slash delivery for details the home depot how doers get more done this episode is brought to you by navy federal credit union at navy federal it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years and not just help them but do everything to make sure they not only grow but flourish that's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash iHeart. That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Okay, here is our next question. 
I have a complicated situation. I am the manager of a department in a public library. I have an employee who is very kind and helpful, but she doesn't take feedback very well. Um, this person perceives feedback in some conversations to be aggressive towards her, and she inflates the way people respond to her, which then leads to her feeling insecure about her relationships with coworkers in a really irrational way. She has also overreacted in the past and has tried to quit because she thought she committed some cardinal work sin, which turned out to be a minor inconvenience. I and my director had to talk her back from the edge in that case. In the past several months, she has been dealing with difficult matters at home. Her husband found work in a neighboring state about three hours away and has been unfaithful during his travels. Rather than leaving him, she decided that she would follow him to his new job and resign from the library. We posted her position and received more than a dozen applicants, a few of which are very promising. As I was about to schedule interviews, she informed me that she is not moving and would like to keep her job. Do I keep her on or push her to resign as she had planned? She has been in this position for about 18 months and generally does a good job with, with minor adjustments that need to be made in her performance. What should I do? Thank you so much. Oh, so you say she generally does a good job, but she sounds exhausting. She takes feedback badly and she gets weird about her relationships with her coworkers and she's tried to quit before for strange reasons and you've had to talk her down. It all sounds like a lot of drama and distraction. I am curious, when she resigned this time, did you feel relief? Because if you did, that is a sign that you have probably been accommodating behavior that you should not have been accommodating and that it might actually be better for your organization to take this opportunity to part ways with her. I don't know that that's the right move in this case, but I do want you to know that in theory, you're certainly entitled to say, you know, you resigned and we accepted that resignation and we're now moving forward with other applicants who we recruited in good faith. And we're going to stick with the path that we're on and, and keep your last day as whatever date was set. And that is what I would recommend doing with someone who was a different sort of problem. Like if she had had a terrible attitude and been a jerk to people, I would go with that plan. But you say she's actually very kind and helpful. So I am betting that will not feel like the right thing to do, especially when you throw in the situation with her marriage, which sounds pretty awful. So there is a middle ground here. You could say to her, you know, we took you at your word when you resigned and we put a lot of work into recruiting good candidates and we have some promising people in the candidate pool now, but we also value you and I don't want to put you in a difficult spot, but if we short circuit the search now and you stay, I want to be transparent with you that we're going to need you to make some changes. You do excellent work, but you also bring a lot of drama into your relationships here and I need you to rein that in because it can be distracting. I need you to work on not responding defensively when you get feedback and on dealing with colleagues in a calm, drama-free way. And you could give a couple of examples there so that she's clear about what you're talking about. And you could say, if you can commit to doing that, we can move forward. But if you can't or you don't want to, we'd want to stick with the ending date that you set. And you should also say, you know, you've resigned in the past and then rescinded it. So... I need you to be really clear that if you tell me again that you're quitting after this, I am going to take you at your word and we won't be able to reverse it again. You might feel like, ooh, that's kind of harsh for someone who does good work, but 
what you've described is actually really disruptive. And you've got to think about her coworkers too, because if they see her being this disruptive and then they had the relief, I'm betting, of her resigning, and then they see her reversing course and coming back and you being okay with it, the message that you will take away is that you're either fine with all of the drama or you're not fine with it, but you aren't being a strong leader and addressing it. So if you do let her rescind the resignation, it's got to be with these conditions on it and a commitment from her to really get that behavior under control. Let's take another question. Hi, I wanted to talk to Allison and figure out a way how to ask my boss to go from working five eights to three twelves or four tens. When I approached her a few days ago, um, she told me she'd put me on a list because other employees were going to be asking the same thing because we're moving from Kansas City, Missouri to Lenexa, Kansas. And the drive now is going to be about an hour one way. And that just might not work for me every day. So I need to figure out a way to ask my boss again and kind of make sure that she knows that I'm serious and that I want to be taken serious to have a different schedule coming up in November because Kansas City and Kansas can get very bad with traffic and weather. Allison, I listen to your show every week. I look forward to it. I just you're the one person that I want to get my advice from. I actually want to get my advice more from you than from my mom, who was a project manager for AT&T for 35 years. <laughs> okay, so first, for people who don't know this lingo, when the caller is saying she wants to go from working five eights to four tens, that means that right now she's working five eight-hour days every week, and she wants to switch to four 10-hour days. So same number of hours each week, but spread out over four days instead of five. It is potentially tricky because it sounds like your boss is saying other people are asking for this as well, and she doesn't necessarily want to say yes to it for everyone. And there might be good reasons for that. Like maybe it'll affect coverage in a way that won't be workable, or maybe there are not good reasons for that, and she just hasn't fully thought it through. Who knows? I think you need to figure out is this a deal breaker for you? If she says, no, you definitely can't make this change, would you leave the job over it? If you would, that'll affect the way you approach it. You could say to her, you know, I really love my job and I want to stay in it, but I am very concerned about my commute after the move. I could make it work if I can switch my schedule to four tens so that I'm still working the same number of hours, but doing the drive one day less. I want to emphasize that I really love the company and I love my work and I want to find a way to make this work if we can, but the drive is not going to be doable for me five days a week. And if she resists, you could say something like, I really want to see if we can try to make this work because I don't want to have to leave the job. Would you be open to trying it as a short-term experiment, maybe for one month, and then we can see how it goes and revisit it after a month to see if it's doable? Sometimes it's easier for managers to say yes to something that is just a short-term experiment rather than a permanent change. And then that gives you the chance to show that it is workable. The other thing is, you've probably thought of this, but is it an option for you to work from home at all? Because if it is, you could also propose working from home one day a week, which would also get you that break from commuting. 
But ultimately, if she does say no, you probably need to decide if you still want the job under these new conditions with the longer drive. And I know that sucks, but it may end up coming down to that. But have the conversation first, show that you really want to make it work, and see what happens. I will say, if you have a really short commute now and you're going up to an hour each way, even just going to four tens might not be enough to make that work for you in the long term. I mean, I'm in the DC area. A lot of people have one hour commutes. It's seen as not that unusual here. But if you are somewhere where it's it's normal to have a 10 minute or a 15 minute commute, this might be a major quality of life compromise that you don't want to make. Even if you do get the four tens, that still means you're spending two hours a day sitting in traffic and you might not want to do that. So give that some thought too. Good luck. That is our show for today. If you would like to hear your question answered on an upcoming episode, record it on the show voicemail at 855-426-WORK. That is 855-426-9675. Or if you have a longer question where you want to actually come on the show and talk to me, email podcast at askamanager.org. That's it for today. I will be back next time with more questions. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.